lead, follow, or get out of the way. You're listening to the Legal Freedom Podcast. Here's your host, Marcos Robbins. And welcome again to the Legal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Robbins. It's so great to have you guys with us here once again. November the 8th. Yes, we, we hope you enjoyed our last episode. Today we're going to talk about a couple of things. I want to talk about, of course, the Virginia election. And I want to talk about the so-called infrastructure bill that was passed earlier this week. Uh, I don't know if we want to call that infrastructure or not. We'll get into that a little bit more. First of all, let's talk a little bit about what happened in Virginia and also New Jersey. You know, you would have thought that the uh, election was a wake-up call to the Democrats, but from what I'm seeing, I don't think it's phased them one bit. As a matter of fact, it appears to me they're going full steam ahead on the liberal progressive agenda that's being promoted by the Biden administration and the squad and a host of other uh, progressive Democrats in the House and Congress. It appears that some of the uh, woke individuals get it and some of them don't. It, in listening to some of the comments from the squad, it appears that they think that the reason why all this happened is because Joe Biden has not been able to get their woke, progressive, liberal, socialistic policies pushed through the Congress and the Senate. And I'm not sure these people will ever get it. But there are a few liberals in the media and former people involved in um, Democratic administrations that do kind of get the idea of what might be going on. Let's uh, listen to the reaction of CNN's Van Jones and see what his comments were. There is no such thing anymore as a low turnout election. You have that much uh, pent up desire for civic participation that an off off year, it's not an off year, it's an off off year election, right. um, you have record turnout. So that means that the, the audience is paying attention. That's a good thing. Yes, this was an off election. This was not a normal election cycle. I mean, you have to admit, folks, that the turnout that happened in Virginia and New Jersey would not have normally happened. And you can't maybe believe that this was just local issues like the school board and other things along those lines. I firmly believe this had a lot to do with things that are going on nationally in our government. Yes, the issues with the school board, the teachings of a critical race theory, and other issues that were being brought before the school boards and the school boards were just simply telling the parents to go away Yes, that had a definite impact on voter turnout for sure. But I firmly believe that the national issues having to do with the Build Back Better bill and some of the other things that are going on in Congress, raising taxes and, uh, gosh, $450,000 payments to illegal aliens, that had to have a major impact on people's decision to come out in support the Republican governor. But CNN's Van Jones had more advice to give to the Democrats as well. But I think that what David said uh, just a few minutes ago is really important. This is a big deal. Uh, these numbers are bad. This is not some, th these, are, these are our voters. Th these are voters that came to us in 2018, came to us in 2020, 
and have abandoned us in droves in two states that should be in our column. Now, these people that he's talking about are, for the most part, suburban women and independent voters. And I have a theory as to why these people went away in 2020. You see, my theory is these people were not going to vote for Donald Trump no matter what. If you remember, there was a lot of talk amongst the pollsters and the pundits about Donald Trump's loss of suburban women and independent voters prior to the 2020 election. And I firmly believe that because these people did not like the way he tweeted and the way he talked and the way he did certain things and how tough and outspoken he was and how rude and mean he could be sometimes, that they just decided they were not going to vote for him no matter what. And I recall a lot of talk of people that I came across with that they said, anybody but Trump. I'll vote for anybody but Trump. Now, please don't think that I'm blaming Donald Trump for his defeat. I think there were a lot of factors that was going on there. I think it was a departure of independents and suburban women, but also there very well could have been some voter fraud in that election. And I think there was some voter fraud in the New Jersey election. There's some indications that that could have happened as well. But here's the deal. So many people, they can't look at a man's record and what he's done and the progress that he has made and what good he's done for the country. Uh, no, they, they just cannot stand the fact that he might be a little bit tough and he might talk a little rough around the edges and he might say some things that upset them. And therefore, well, I just can't vote for the guy because he hurt my feelings or I just don't think he's a very nice man. And that, my friends, is why I think the bulk of the independent voters and suburban women were lost in the 2020 election. There is not a person in their right mind that cannot say that this country was better off under the presidency of Donald Trump. And it only took a couple of days after Joseph Biden took over the presidency that things started going downhill quickly. And again, I do not blame Donald Trump for the defeat. I would vote for him again. And if he runs again in 2024, I probably will vote for him again. So James Carville had some very interesting things to say. Let's listen to him. What's wrong is just stupid wokeness. All right, you don't just look at Virginia and New Jersey. Look at Long Island. Look at Buffalo. Look at Minneapolis. Even look at Seattle, Washington. I mean, just defund the police lunacy to take Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools. I mean, that people see that. And it, 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 it's, it's just really a, have a suppressive effect all across the country. The Democrats, some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something. I mean, they're, they're expressing a language that people just don't use. And there's a backlash and a frustration at that. Okay, so Carville gets it. He understands what's going on here. And he understands why the Democrats are having such a hard time and why they're losing the middle-class, independent, suburban voter. People are sick and tired of all this woke crap. Even a large segment of the African-American community, they're sick and tired of this stuff because they know this is not doing anything to heal racial relations or solve any problems at all. But, you know, like I said earlier, there are just some of these people that are not going to get it. It's just not going to sink in their heads. They don't have the ability to comprehend what's really going on. And they're just going to continue forward with their woke, racist crap. Here's Don Lemon from CNN. He had some comments about what James Carville had said. 
Look, I have um, a lot of respect for James Carville, and I think what he says, I understand the sentiment of what he's saying. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with all of it because, um, listen, us older people, you know, we may think wokeism is some, uh, oh my gosh, I don't understand all the language around this. Uh, defund the police, I agree more than 100% with him. Defund the police was a stupid slogan and should never have been brought into uh, the political uh, spotlight, at least uh, to the political realm. It was an activist term. Well, that's the problem. It's it's like you guys, you want to come up with all these woke terms and and activist terms, and and force this down people's throats. And then when they get upset, you want to try to stuff the genie back in the bottle. Well, it's not going to work. So Don, Don Lennon then says that the critical race theory that was came up in the uh, Virginia election that was just all smoke and mirrors, and it was uh, wasn't real at all. Here, just listen to this. I see when you're dealing something with something like CRT that people use as a boogeyman that wasn't necessarily real. Uh, it was a manufactured sort of outrage about it. I can understand, um, you know, why people say, you know, what the heck is he talking about? CRT wasn't even a real thing. Okay, so now they want to say, okay, guys, we were just joking. We weren't serious. Forget about the books. Forget about all the other stuff that we we're talking about. It was just make-believe. It wasn't real. I sure hope the American people out there don't buy this load of crap, and I hope they remember what was said and what happened, and that they vote to get these clowns out of office in 2022 and 2024. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit about the infamous infrastructure bill, if you want to call it that. We are going to go over some things that are in that bill that some of you may or may not know about. And you're going to find that a lot of this has nothing to do with infrastructure. In fact, they're trying to redefine exactly what infrastructure is. So if it wasn't for 13 Republicans who jumped ship and voted for this thing, it wouldn't have passed. But the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill passed by a vote of 228 to 206, and most of this was done by proxy. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that, look, if you're not going to show up for the vote, maybe your vote shouldn't count. Um, but that's a totally different topic. So let's kind of go over some of the things that are in this. Now, first of all, infrastructure originally was used to designate building and repairing roads, bridges, railroads, ports, but it has been expanded under President Biden to include human and social infrastructure. I didn't know there was such a thing, but I always thought infrastructure was buildings and dams and, and things of that nature. But obviously, uh, we have a different total definition of what it is now. The president said he had planned to sign the bipartisan legislation soon, but not until after the weekend to allow legislatures who helped pass the bill to attend a signing ceremony. And, um, you know, I'm sure he will pass it. He will sign it because it's a, pretty much the only thing he's been able to get through his entire presidency the last 10 months. So let's look at what's in the bill. Well, $110 billion for roads and bridges. In addition to construction and repair, the funding also will help pay for some transportation research at universities, funding for Puerto Rican highways, and congestion relief for roads and highways. $66 billion for railroads, which will which is uh, earmarked for upgrades and maintenance of America's passenger rail system and the freight rail safety, but nothing for high-speed rail at all. 
$65 billion for the power grid system. Uh, the bill would fund updates to power lines and cables, as well as provide money to prevent hacking of the power grid system. And clean energy funding will be included in that also. $65 billion for broadband, which includes funding to expand uh, broadband in rural areas and low-income communities. With approximately a $14 billion of that total amount would help reduce internet bills for low-income families. $55 billion for water infrastructure. Uh, this funding will include $15 billion for lead pipe replacement, $10 billion for chemical cleanup, and money to provide clean drinking water for tribal communities. And we have $47 billion for cybersecurity and climate change. The Resilience Fund would protect infrastructure from cybersecurity attacks and address the following um, flooding, wildfires, coastal erosion, droughts, along with other extreme weather elements. I'm not even really sure what um, that would all entail, but um, they had to get some climate stuff in there somewhere, didn't they? So uh, $25 billion for airports. Uh, this is allocation of funding to provide major upgrades and expansion at U.S. airports. Um, air traffic control towers and systems would also receive $5 billion for the total for the upgrades, which I guess, you know, I can... I can deal with that. That's infrastructure. Uh, $21 billion for the environment. Now, uh, these monies would be used to clean up and formulate more of a Superfund and brownfield sites, abandoned mines, oil and gas wells, etc. $17 billion for ports. $11 billion for safety. Now, the money here is to address highway, pedestrian, pipeline, and other safety areas with uh, highway safety getting the bulk of the funding. And, of course... For the electric cars, $7.5 billion for electric vehicle charging stations. Uh, we knew this was coming. But there's more, $7.5 billion for electric school buses. Now, if you remember, there was a tremendous amount of negotiations going on on what would be included that might not be necessarily considered infrastructure. So, here goes. $400 billion for child care and universal preschool, providing two years of free preschool for every three and four year old in America and additional funding for child care. I'm sorry, folks, that's not infrastructure. If you're going to vote on something like that, vote on it on a separate bill. Family medical leave permanently authorizes first ever nation paid family and medical leave guarantee for U.S. workers that provides up to four weeks of paid leave. That's not infrastructure. It provides for a $2 billion amount in child tax credits and earned income credits. The proposal extends to expand the child tax credit for one year and provides additional funds to extend the expanded earned income tax credit. Still not infrastructure. That is a tax bill. $150 billion for housing. <laughs> That's not infrastructure. $150 billion for home care for senior citizens and disabled. That's not infrastructure. Now, again, I'm not necessarily saying I'm against some of this stuff, but don't cram it into an infrastructure bill because that's not what it is. Formulate a bill that addresses the needs and call it what it is. $40 billion for higher education and workforce development. Again, not infrastructure. 
$25 billion for the Small Business Committee. This provides for small businesses to access credit investment in markets. And while I'm all for small businesses and giving them all the assistance that they can get, it's not infrastructure. And the list goes on. $5 billion for supply chain investments. $10 billion to support child nutrition. State and local tax reduction debt. Agreement to lower prescription drug costs. All of this stuff is not infrastructure. Pass a bill that is appropriately named for what you're trying to make into law. $550 billion for clean energy and climate. It includes a 15% minimum tax on companies whose financial statements show at least $1 billion in profit. This was proposed by Senators uh, Elizabeth Warren and Angus King. And you'll love this one. $100 billion for immigration. This would constitute an investment to reform the immigration system, reduce backlogs, expand legal representation, make border processing more efficient and humane. So in other words, we're going to help you get in, we're going to pay for your lawyer, and we're going to make it quicker for you to get through the court system. So there you have it, folks. The definition of the Biden administration and the progressive left's definition of an infrastructure bill. So, those of you who voted for Joe Biden, is this what you signed up for? Is this what you wanted? I sure hope that the 13 Republicans that helped get this junk pushed through are proud of themselves, because I'm sure not proud of them. If you look at their districts, you'll see that they're all from the Upper East Coast. I can only hope that their constituents remember this and that they're smart enough to vote them out when they come up for re-election. So, tell us what you think about all this. I'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at LegalFreedomPodcast.com. That's www.LegalFreedomPodcast.com. You can call us or email us. The information is on the website. Again, it's LegalFreedomPodcast.com. Like I've said from the very beginning, this podcast is all about the average, everyday American. I, these are the people that I want to have on as guests. So if you're interested in being a guest on the Legal Freedom Podcast, please contact me. I would be very interested in speaking with you. If you have a topic you want to talk about, let's talk about it. Please subscribe to our Twitter feed and also our Facebook group page. You can also find that information on our website. Thank you for listening again. We do appreciate it. I'm your host, Marcus Robbins, and don't ever take for granted your right to freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and the freedom to dissent. It is your God-given right as a citizen of the United States, afforded to you by the Constitution of the United States. We will see you next week. Everyone have a wonderful week. God bless you. Take care.